Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Inspect and Adapt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Griffin, Director of Customer Solutions here at Constructs. We are a team of software engineering experts founded by legendary author Steve McConnell. Here at Constructs, we believe every software team can be more successful at delivering higher levels of business value. For the majority of the podcast episodes over the last couple of years, we've structured the podcast around recent engagements that our consultants have delivered. As is consistent with Inspect and Adapt, we are also experimenting with recording the podcast around topics that aren't directly related to any specific engagement, but rather focus on a specific practice or set of practices. So today, instead of practice or practices, our focus is on a specific role. And one might say in a pejorative sense, it's the organizational redheaded stepchild of Agile, the uninvited guest, the what am I doing here person. And that's the role of the engineering manager in an Agile world. We all know what that role was like in the non-Agile or sequential world, but in the Agile world, you have the scrum master, you have the product owner, you have the team member. So whether the role of the engineering manager, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So to help me with some thoughts on this role, I invited two people with some good historical perspective and client stories here, Constructs Senior Fellow Earl Beatty and VP of Consulting Jenny Stewart to toss the beach ball around for a bit. We pick up the conversation as I frame what this discussion will be about, and we start in the asylum. I'm going to use some 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 old agile type kinds of comments to kick this off. You know, this old notion of the inmates running the asylum. You don't need a manager; ever the inmates run the asylum. What is this idea that that engineering managers no longer serve a purpose, or do they? And what what does it mean? So. Let me throw that one out there, and, and you guys can kind of chew on that for a minute, and we'll, get, we'll kind of get into the formal part of this. What do you think? I think just because a practice like Kanban or Scrum does not have a seat at the table for engineering managers doesn't mean that all of a sudden we just say, there's no need for this in the industry at all. Stop and, <laughs> right? N- now it's more about... Does it change the role of the engineering manager? And in some organizations, the adoption of Agile has limited impact on them. And in some organizations, it's had massive impact. And in some cases, it's had impact that has hindered or stalled or been problematic for the Agile adoption. So I think we've seen it kind of all over the map. But I still think there is a role for engineering managers. One of the key things here when you think about is when you think about engineering managers, what you, what they're really trying to contrast is not the engineering manager and necessarily the role, but the idea of, of who's making decisions and how close can we keep decisions to people who have to execute the decisions rather than trying to maintain what might people might see as a command and control structure, whereas there's a general who's issuing commands to troops and they just go execute them. Can we get a more self-reliant, self-reliant team together? And I think, you know, in some ways, they kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater and saying, well, okay, we don't even want to, well, so, uh, not they, but some folks do that. What they say, they <laughs> throw out the engineering manager and say, you can't have a role here. You don't belong anymore. You can't have any input. And it's like, no. Because one of the things we should talk about is, is a typical technical engineering manager and where they come from. Because a lot of times, they're one of the smartest people in the room on the technology they're working on. And to get rid of that just because they have the title manager is a little foolhardy. Agreed. But not that you would say that they're Peter principled into a manager position, that, that some of them might actually make that leap. They might actually be, be pretty good managers who moved into that <laughs> position, right? Well, we have a long track record of seeing actually relatively poor engineering managers because oftentimes, this is how a technical person got promoted, got the more money. They had to move into management. And we used to go mm-hmm. a lot of times and try to help organizations as a company deal with the fact that they took their top technical talent and created relatively poor managers out of them. They were still really good technical talent, and that's what they tended to do as managers. It was trying to be top technical talent with more decision authority and actually didn't do a good job managing the team. And this is this is something that we can sort of think about because we would like those engineering managers become more like engineering leaders in a certain sense. Someone who's who can help set goals in terms of self-development, career development, overall architecture maybe, depending on the size of your group. 
rather than just being, I'm here to assign work to people and make sure it gets done. Just to pick on that semantic a bit, you make a distinction between a manager and a leader, aren't they? Aren't in, are in the best of situations, aren't they the same? In the best of situations, yes. Earl, I think the summit that we had, I swear every other year, one of the discussion groups was about the transition of like tech lead into manager transition. And consistently, every discussion group said that is one of the hardest transitions for people to make. And unfortunately, not everywhere, but in many cases, it's kind of a transition where you're just expected to naturally be able to make that transition. Here you go. You've been great in your career. You've been just absolutely spectacular at kind of being the go-to person who solves problems. You were probably given the tricky problems. You're the person people see as technically excellent. Now we want you to be a manager, but there's a whole different set of skill sets there. And, you know, some people make that leap and are great. Some people make that leap with support, a coach, a mentor, training, organizational support for it. Some people make that transition and go, this isn't a job I want. (laughs) I would rather be on the senior fellow track where I get to have lots of technical excellence versus spending more of my time doing this people management stuff that... I thought would be fun, but maybe isn't so fun. So there's just a huge variation there. And I think the idea that you're going to then also lead, (laughs) it comes over time. The people who make the transition and make it well eventually do, I think, become leaders in their organization. They become really good at setting visions and being able to motivate people and kind of have that commander intent idea where I really give people a sense of what the outcome is. And then I let the tech leads and the other people on side of the teams more self-organize for us to get there. But that journey is not necessarily an easy or natural or quick journey for a lot of people. I think we've seen, we we certainly are aware of clients where uh, a manager that we used to work with has now like taken the hat off and gone back to being an individual contributor because they got tired of what just didn't motivate them anymore. It just wasn't fun. It wasn't something that they wanted to do. Yep. They, you know, and, and I think you also see situations where managers transition to that role and they hang on to the perception that their technical expertise is what they're valued for at an organizational level anymore. And that's not what an organization looks for in, in a manager or leader. They want someone to, to, to kind of be aware and use that as a strength and one of the tools in their, in their, in their quiver but there are many other things that that the organization expects out of that person than what they get from the technical. That's why it's a hard transition. You've spent your career up until that transition point being recognized and rewarded for being technically excellent. That's true. I'm going to even dovetail on that a little bit too, because I think this is where we can might see that Agile, and particularly Scrum, might be doing the organization a favor by trying to say... There are particular skills and duties of a manager that we need you to fulfill as an engineering manager. We don't want you to be an uber tech lead. By splitting that and being very clear, saying, hey, we're going to be saying the decisions rest with the developers. If you want to be a developer, wonderful. You can come down here and have decisions and lead with the best of them. But we have other needs necessary for an engineering manager to fulfill that we need to have someone doing and being very clear about those things, which as a history, as Jenny's pointed out and some of the going on that if we promoted the top tech people, we blurred that line very clearly. And management as a whole has typically suffered. One of my favorite quotes from a VP of a product I worked with once was, I want my engineering managers to deliver my team members. I want my scrum teams to deliver my product. And I thought that was a really nice, clear differentiation of what they were looking for from the different parts of the organization. I I think that's, that's well put. Our fearless CEO in his More Effective Agile talks a lot about leadership in that book. And he certainly makes the point that the leadership in that organization is not responsible for delivery. They're responsible for managing the team to produce the outcomes they said they were going to do. 
They don't play around in the sprint. That's owned by the team. You have to be clear with your purpose and setting what the organization is going to deliver. There's a natural tendency among technical people who move into leadership positions to fall back on that Linus blanket of technical acumen, that they really believe that that's what their value is. Instead of being sort of a leader, that is the cheerleader and, and, and setting the example for the team of this is where this is the direction we're going. Brian brings up an interesting point here in the comments is that the leadership really is different than management because manager is usually a position title, whereas leadership can come from anywhere in the organization. And I and I think that there's truth to that. And this is where a lot of organizations do suffer because they confuse that as well. I want to bring up a slightly more twisted thing that we see with injuring managers, though, particularly in agile organizations, <laughs> is the matrix team. I'm running into this more and more often where a team, an agile team, is not reporting to one manager, but to each person on the team practically reports to a different manager of some kind. And what I see over and over again is that the manager is given objectives that are not aligned with the team's objectives i.e. there are goals and things that managers are supposed to meet with their staff. And it's more than just making sure the agile teams have the resources they need. There's also goals that that team is supposed to produce as well. And so now there's a conflict often between the matrix person on an agile team and what they want their manager needs to have them do to meet the manager's goals and objectives for the year. Ouch. <laughs> Here's where, again, agile might be doing by saying by clearly differentiating those roles, there could be a potential now for that injury manager to say, hey, my job, in if you want to be an agile organization, if you want to have agile teams, is to, as Jenny said, deliver the team. Not also then meet a series of objectives of the separate deliverables that this staff provides. I need to make sure that this team can support all the agile teams that you're spinning up, and I have the right level of staffing and expertise so that all these teams are successful in doing what they need to do. I think there's an interesting point there, too, about the leaders of the leaders. If the managers above the managers are setting very different goals and objectives across the organization, now you're going to have people right above the team level who aren't necessarily rowing the oars in the same direction. We'll have that problem with the canoe where you know two people are paddling forward, two people are paddling backwards, and two people are paddling in some weird direction we don't even know where it is. And that's going to be really hard for the Agile team. So I do think sometimes that idea of line of sight goals, where people understand their goals, you go up one level in the organization to managers, there's a very clear line of sight between individual goals, management goals, to director goals, to VP goals, to organizational goals. I think that if you don't have that alignment, we're probably not talking about a management problem. We're probably talking about more organizational goal setting, alignment, commonality, consistently, consistency, and the poor managers are going to have a hard time solving that. <laughs> yeah. What is the actual role and duty assignment in terms of a manager like working with a scrum master, for example? Some of the things you're describing, scrum masters embody. Sometimes you have a scrum master is a manager. That's a a defined role in scrum. But sometimes people wear the other wear the hat of a manager in addition to scrum master. It's a little hard to say. And there's one pattern here mm -hmm. because we've certainly seen multiple different patterns. Some work, some don't work. Some work in one organization but wouldn't really work in another. So maybe we start talking a little bit about some examples. Be good. Had a team I worked with quite a while ago. And when I got in, they were they were building kind of platformy infrastructure kinds of things. And when I got in there, their manager was acting as their scrum master. Isn't incredibly common, can work fine, can be very, very problematic, depending on whether that person is really acting as a scrum master or is more acting as a, I'm going to tell you what to do kind of person. Interestingly enough, in this case, he was both manager and deep technical expert mm. and was actually really good at both of those. In talking about what the team was trying to accomplish, we ended up having him shift from scrum master to product owner mm. because he really had the technical vision. Makes sense. And the conversation we had there was sort of make sure that you are very clear with the team when you are acting as manager 
because those are different duties than when you're acting as product owner. And he kind of had that same problem as Scrum Master too, right? I need to separate my manager duties from my Scrum Master duties if I'm going to fulfill this Scrum Master role. Earl and I have both seen engineering managers step into the Scrum Master role, step into the product owner role, and then basically just tell the team what to do. (laughs) And that's really an anti-pattern. Engineering managers stepping into the Scrum roles can work approach with caution. I'm currently getting to play and act as a scrum master for a team, which is a matrix team with different engineering managers. And one of the key things I think I'm finding differentiating between what the engineering managers are doing and what the scrum master is doing, the scrum master is really focused on the team at a team level. Is really not worried. I don't think the scrum master's job needs to be worried about skill development, career pathing, all that kind of stuff. I go to the engineering manager and says, I need this skill set. I need them to get up to speed on this. This is what the team needs. Go make that happen. I don't need to go schedule it. I don't need to make it happen. I rely on the engineering managers to do that. My job is to say, does this scheme, scheme, does this team have the <laughs> skills it needs to get the work done that is being presented to it by the product owner. And if it doesn't, that's when I go back to the engineering manager and say, here's the skills that we either need to develop or we need to switch out people to make it happen. The engineering manager needs to focus primarily on the individuals and the career path in a sense, do that one-to-one management where the scrum master is only focused on, is this the right team for what the product owner is doing and make sure they follow the rules, the agile rules that that team has adopted. I have a a scrum team, their work comes in through the product owner. So obviously as engineering manager, I'm not going to give them work that needs to come through the product owner challenge. Day-to-day work is figured out by the team itself and things like sprint planning and the daily. How do I stay in contact and understand what my people are doing? And I do think that is a fair thing for an engineering manager to ask. And for me, then it comes down to things like, There is absolutely no reason an engineering manager can't be looking at retrospective notes that are coming from the teams their people are on and looking for common challenges. There's no reason they couldn't sit in and observe the daily. Just you're not going to actively participate in it. You're just going to observe it. You can observe planning. In fact, I think it's healthy for engineering managers, especially if my team members are on multiple different teams, to be speaking to like scrum masters about what are the challenges that you're encountering and looking for those, what I call system challenges, the things that no one scrum team can fix, but a manager or a group of managers can fix together. Here are the things that is causing all of our team's pain. This might be things like the build process takes us two days. (laughs) No one team can fix that. But if you can fix that, you have now supported empowering the broader organization. And I don't expect the managers to necessarily make that fix, but I expect them to find space in the organization to bring the right people together to get that off and running, set a goal. What are we trying to get to? We should be able to be able to build this system within... 30 minutes. All right. How are we going to get there? Tiger team, scrum teams are all going to have a little bit of work they do. What are we going to do to accomplish this goal now that will really set the productivity free across the 20 scrum teams we have? Managers can help us there. And that's powerful. I think you're pointing out to something I saw that worked really well too is that in a scaled Agile environment, where Agile is not just one team, one product, one product owner, but really it's multiple teams attacking a given product, there's a level of decision-making that's really above the teams, in my opinion. That one team shouldn't be making the coding standard for all the teams. They should have some agreed-to standards. They should have some agreed-to architectural design approaches. The choosing of tools, every team shouldn't get their own tool uh, because that just formats chaos later on. So there's there are decisions in a scaled environment that an engineering manager can participate in and help decide, especially if they've come out of the technical ranks and understand that kind of stuff. 
rather than just saying, oh, every team, do whatever you feel is interesting to you today, right? <laughs> and say, no, 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 no. As an organization, we still want to have the highest possible throughput. And we know that we'll have better throughput if we have more commonality than dispersion in a lot of these areas. Agree. That's well put. Sort of hinting at standards too, in, in that sense. If you have conflicting teams working with different environments and sharing knowledge and sharing information starting to get sticky and weird. You don't want a scrum master doing it. You want a product owner doing it. You want somebody who's sort of independent of those two teams to kind of, you know, break the tie or set the level that that those teams are going to be working at. So I think that makes sense to have that person in that role. Charlie sent a note in here. If the organization is making him figuratively wear two hats, maybe he should literally have two hats. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe the pointy hair boss beanie or something like that. I I had to laugh because early in Construct's career, we actually purchased a whole bunch of hats for the staff because we were all wearing different hats. And so when meetings, certain people love to switch their hats and say, well, now I'm speaking as, and we had had literally had hats and sometimes three or four. And somebody once piled a bunch on top of their head. (laughs) I'm going to do it all right (laughs) now. (laughs) <laughs> One of the things we're thinking about, I think, Mark, you started bringing this up, making some clear lines. What is really the job of an engineering manager in like relation to a scrum master? And the same thing we should be talking about, what is the relationship of an engineering manager to the developing team, particularly in this area of task assignment and task accountability? Because this is where one I, I see kind of getting smudged a little bit because mm-hmm. I have developers tell me and some of my clients that my engineering manager tells me what I'm working on. And maybe not the individual task, but at least what team I'm working on and how much I should pay attention to that team versus some other team. This is one that's getting a little kind of dicey here because by the rules that we're supposed to be following in Agile, that the team decides its tasks and how to best implement the task and how to manage those tasks. And it doesn't fall to an outside party. Yet we hear over and over again that injury managers still have this ability to go and say, well, I, th- I really need you working on this thing over here. So ignore the team for a little bit and go work on this one. I think that's where we're getting into some trouble. I think the engineering managers need to, as Jenny said, really allow the work to flow through the product owners. These are the things that we need to be working on. And if they need some team members' time to do something else, we either clock that out as unplanned work. It's not part of the plan. It's unplanned work. And it's actually seen as something we need to manage and and try to eliminate. The scrum master can start yelling and saying, hey, this is, we had a plan and you put a bunch of unplanned work (laughs) into our sprint. Thank you very much. But here's how we're going to stop that. Or they need to come up and make it part of the plan by putting it as part of the work through the PO. I've been lucky in a lot of the groups I've been working with over the last five years or so are primarily intact, dedicated teams. <gasps> lucky you. <laughs> <sighs> Cherry picker. I know. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, there. I definitely have seen the cases where there is conflict between the engineering managers and the product owners, and especially if there's something like customer-related issues and somebody higher in the organization jumps and starts going to the engineering manager, then the engineering manager is like trying to pull people off the scrum team, and we need to talk about, wait, if you're going to want the teams to do work, that needs to flow through the product owner channel. And I think, as Earl was saying, just kind of setting down some of the rules of the road. Okay, if you want to ask a team for work, that needs to go through this channel over here. Right. Right. <laughs> in Scrum, it would flow through the product owners. If you were in Kanban, maybe it has a different flow. I have definitely seen that pop up as a problem before, but I haven't seen a lot of... I'm trying to be on two teams concurrently. One of the things I'm running to a couple places now is the, I'm 95% on the scrum team and I'm 5% to my engineering manager to whatever the heck they want me to do. Right. Because they're trying out scrum or they're not, the whole organization is not doing agile. They're, they still have their home team as it were. And so a certain percentage of times on the home team and the percentage of time is to the agile team. As the Scrum Masters work those, we sort of say, okay, what is our full-time equivalent? If this Is this part of your 5% time? I need you to manage that as an individual team member. If it's getting too big, let me know as a Scrum Master. Then I can go yell at your manager saying you're taking too much time. Of that 5%, you're free to manage it however you want. It can get kind of messy when, when the engineering managers and the people are matrix. 
to say, yes, you can have some of their time, but now we're going to block that time because we expect for our effective agile team that we'll get this much of their time and that will be reflected in our velocity. It could potentially be higher, but you're only giving us X percentage of these people's time. And I would be worried that 5% was probably actually more like 20% of somebody's time. <laughs> if, if they're honest, sure. So I would actually want to ask that person to start tracking so that we could make a reasonable assumption when we went into things like sprint planning. They say five, it's really 20, let's model it at 20, that you're 80% on the team, right. not 95% on the team. I encourage the scrum masters and the teams to sort of collect, hey, when I'm not working on the team, throw a task on there that was part of the planned off teamwork or totally unplanned work. And that way we can then model it and say, this is why our velocity is the way it is. The other one, I remember going into a company that was just adopting Agile for the first time. And we were setting up the Agile teams, modeled mostly after Scrum. Obviously, the developers knew who they were. And then I had a war between the engineering managers and the business analysts about who should be the product owners. And they would constantly come to me and have one-on-one conversation with me, arguing for either their groups to become the product owners. The engineering managers want to become the product owners, and the business analysts, PMs, wanted to become the project owners. And they were like, Earl, split this baby. <laughs> Make this call. And I'm like, uh... Jenny, what are your thoughts about engineering managers and being product owners? I mean, you talked about it positively in terms of being that one in store you had a technical Uber, technically, but is there a heuristic that this is a generally a good idea, generally bad idea? What do you think? I think of it as an approach with caution idea. It depends a lot on historically how the engineering managers have operated. And I think if you've had an organization where historically they've been the people who tell the engineers what to do on a day-in and day-out basis, if you then transition them into either the product owner or scrum master role, they are going to continue that behavior pattern, which is very problematic. And it's really, really problematic if engineering manager is product owner and then there's a scrum master who reports to them. Because <laughs> there's no counterbalance to try and balance the, hey, some of this decision-making really ought to be the team's, not yours anymore. There are definitely times and places where I've gone into organizations and it's almost always the BAs or almost always the product managers. And you get in and you look at the work the team is doing and you say, this team is a platform team or a shared services team or an architecture team. BA maybe doesn't understand the domain, not can be a great product owner. So I've never, when I've talked to people about staffing the scrum roles, I always suggest that we do it on more of a team by team basis, or we look at it by the categories of work that the team is doing. These types of teams who are more customer facing probably need a product owner who's maybe more on the business side, a BA or a product manager stepping into that role or a subject matter expert, somebody who can really speak to the users who need something from it. This team's really deeply technical. It's probably better suited from somebody who has a technical background. In some organizations, that's often an engineering manager. And maybe in a particular organization, you'd have a tech lead do it because the engineering manager's are operating a little bit more in the way we've been talking about here, where they're thinking about cross-team standards, they're thinking about resolving larger organization impediments, they're thinking about the education and career paths of their people, mm-hmm. and so they're not in they're not a good fit for product owner even there. I remember working with one company that was a highly component organized teams, that each team was a different component of a larger overall system. And I thought there that the injury managers would make decent product owners. Prior to the Agile being adopted, the injury managers were still responsible for a roadmap for their component, where they see their component being in three months, six months, nine months, major features and additions to their components. And switching those into product owners was just a pretty easy move. They were still dictating, like, where are we going to take this component over the next few months? And we had to coordinate with other product owners to hopefully build something. I I think there were some serious faults with that model because now people are building a whole bunch of stuff that no one else was using. 
that was a big problem. <laughs> but it was but it was an easy switch for the engineering managers to move into the PO role in that kind of environment where we, they were very much designed and didn't want to change from a component-oriented setup. And then we just want to make sure that they are staying in the product owner role when they're wearing that particular hat. And I think those particular cases, I will often suggest to the organization that the scrum masters come in a way that allows them to have enough authority and independence to be able to act well as a scrum master just in case the product owners get too in the weeds with the team. We have a question from Brian. Do you think splitting a person's time across projects is detrimental? 50% on one and 50% on another usually ends up as full-time on two projects. I would always prefer to have full-time dedicated team members. If I can get it, I want it. I will accept 50%. If I can't get half of your time, you're a subject matter expert to me. And then we have to model those people as 50 or less. Because there is some amount of overhead moving between those projects. So if you do have those people, and there are often those people in organizations who, even if most people can be 100% dedicated to a team, there are sometimes people who either should be SMEs, right? They shouldn't be on any one team. They should support a bunch of teams or who have kind of a rare skill set. And for a period of time until we can onboard somebody else, they're going to work on a couple of teams. I'm just going to make sure in things like sprint planning or as things are moving across the Kanban board, we're not overloading that person because I do not want somebody who is full-time on two teams. My mantra is always, we want to look at throughput, not activity. My job here in, in Agile is not to keep everyone busy. My job is deliver value as fast and as quickly as possible. And if that means that I have some idle resources, as long as it's not too much, that's a win. And if it increases the throughput by saying, okay, you're, you're busy 90% of the time, 10% of the time you're not nearly as busy, I don't need to put you on another project just to keep you busy. I still want to take advantage of you over here. I'm not in, I'm not a big favor of it, uh, 50%, but I see this as extremely common. We are dealing with tons of matrix organizations. Uh, Jenny's right. If you're less than 50%, treat it as a SME, not as a team member, that you come in, do some work, and we'll treat you as an external party, which means we'll do some getting you queued up during our refinement so that you're ready to go during the sprint. We have your commitment of a certain amount of hours during the sprint so we can actually get the work done. And then once you're done... You don't have to participate anymore. You can go away and do that other work. We got some comments coming in from Aman. An engineering manager leader understands and supports Agile, then there is no issue. She herself will ensure the success and facilitate the team in the right way. I believe all that is being discussed applies only when an engineering manager who should be a leader does not understand or buy into Agile. In that case, it's an issue to be resolved. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm going to push back a little bit on what they're saying because... To say someone understands Agile is like someone, to me, almost says someone understands the mystery of the universe. (laughs) Agile has become such a widely used word that its meaning becomes very obscure. I mean, it's actual meaning. I've had lots of people tell me they understand Agile, and then they tell me about command and control structures and how they're implementing them. And it's like, okay, (laughs) To me, Agile is getting into that Roche test, where that inkblot test, where it's just you flat on. He's like, I see a monkey, and someone else is like, I see a giraffe, and I see an airplane. It's the same splot. Lion, man, and the elephant. Yeah. Well, Sheila comments on the heels of that. Managers could have a long history in an old role, being pre-Agile, and may not easily transition to the changes with Agile. And we've certainly seen that. It can be one of the things that really derails an organization's shift to Agile. If we are asking the engineering managers to maybe give up the things that they thought made them important in the organization, and we take those responsibilities and we hand them to other people, you don't get to do that anymore. That's the product owner role. And then we don't help them understand what their new role is and what we want from them and support them through that transition. I think Earl and I have both seen organizations who call themselves agile. You go in and look at it and go, ouch. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was a tech manager, engineering manager before Agile became a thing back in the 90s. And my job often was to attend meetings with other engineering managers, make commitments on behalf of my team, and brainstorm overall solutions. That's what I saw was my value add to the organization is I could bring this team to a solution that we've already sort of crafted out to a certain degree. And when we moved to Agile, we're kind of saying, no, you don't make commitments on behalf of the team. No, you don't come up with solutions anymore. No, you're not the ones going to these cross meetings to come up with solutions across other teams. That's going to be some representatives from the team itself. Whoa, that was my big, made me feel good going home kind of thing. <laughs> what the heck do I'm supposed to do now? You mean arrange training? That's it? That's what my job is? And so I, th I think there does need to be some sort of sensitivity to the culture hit to the engineering manager as they're being transitioned to this agile role. Because a lot of things, I think, Jenny, you're absolutely right, that gave them value, that gave them the sense of I'm an important contributor to this company is being delegated to other folks. And then the question ends up being things like, are we going to have, and in some organizations I've seen this where the engineering managers were actually really respected technical people. And in the shift to Agile, we don't want to lose that. So how do we staff the teams, let the teams be decision-making, empowered, cross-functional teams that take work in through the product owner and still leverage all those benefits that our engineering managers had? So I think there is sometimes a a challenge and a discussion needed, we can't just make assumptions in that transition and necessarily be successful. We need to be thoughtful as we make these transitions. And there, again, isn't always a one-size-fits-all answer. There may be, when you start to talk about, here are the different roles, here's the responsibilities and authorities of those roles, there may be some engineering managers who are like, but my love is in the technology. I want to be able to be close to the technology. Right. How do I still have that in my job path? And there might be others who say, I am so excited about this idea where I can impact many, many teams in the organization. I can help set standards. I can look at the problems that are tackling my 15 teams and work to empower all of these teams. I can get out of the weeds? Awesome. I love this. You may have some individual person-by-person -person conversations that you need to have to make sure the right people are being slotted into the right places to help the adoption be successful. Another thing we used to talk about a lot here at Constructs, we had a thing called the professional development ladder. And in that, we wanted a, a growth pack in the technical stream that was equivalent to the growth path in the management stream that you could be a highly respected technical person. And that person may, you might take an existing injury manager because there wasn't an equal position and say, you know what? We're not busting you back to developer. We're promoting you to senior fellow architect grade four who's on an agile team. And you're going to lead the design things. That's part of your job on this agile team. Plus you're going to code some more again. You're going to write some tests. We're going to free you up from all that people management stuff because we're promoting you. And I think that's one of the things that we keep mistaking here is we keep having this, this idea that engineering managers are more important or higher in the, the, in the organization because they're managers. And we don't have an equivalent technical lead that's on that same par. If we did, that might be an easy transition for some engineering managers too, to say you're getting promoted into my title, senior fellow, senior technical fellow on the team, and you're going to be back on the team again. And well, someone else who really wants to organize and loves the people side of it takes over as that schmoly manager person. <laughs> the TPS report gatherer. The TPS report gatherer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, there's a lot of power in helping multiple oh, yeah. groups be successful through the organization. Earl, I think the only thing I would change a little bit is those folks who go into that role don't necessarily work with a team. They probably influence a number of teams. They may spend a period of time with one team and then move on to another team. They may be kind of facilitating many, many teams. Or you and I both know a gentleman who used to kind of, I can't remember the term we used for him, 
But he was just sort of the instigator of ideas in the organization, right? He was the person who came up with the next great technological thing we could probably go after that would really improve our product and make us successful. Um, and I think we used to call him a free radical. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Chief scientist. Chief scientist, yeah. He's dangerous. Put him in the hole over there. <laughs> Got a question from Aman. Just to backtrack, can we hear how how Agile is chosen and incorporated in a company and the role of an engineering manager in it? In choosing Agile, I'm guessing. Choosing to go Agile Someone at all. moving to it. Highly varied. <laughs> You've been Agiled? <laughs> this is something that Aman is, is pointing to, which I think is important, is that many Agile transitions are really instigated by those engineering managers. They have the budget to get their people to training, if they're going to be doing training and buying the books, they have the authority to reorganize their team slightly. So a lot of the times, Agile is being brought in by those very same managers. And I think this is one thing that makes the transition so hard is that like, what the hell, wait a minute, this is my idea, right? I was instrumental in making this happen. Yes, the team talked to me about it. Maybe my boss is like, we need to be more agile, but I'm the one that makes this happen. It's usually that first line manager that does a lot of the work that makes it happen. And without them, the agile doesn't really come into the organization. And so as they're doing it, they sort of have to wean themselves off. He or she has, you know, double do, not only do they have to make this transition, but they're the one instigating the transition to make it happen. I've also seen cases where maybe there was sort of a team who went off and started in the area, and then managers and leaders above engineering managers saw the outcome or the success that came from this proof-of-concept pilot team, and all of a sudden, they're super rah-rah about it, but the rest of the organization, including the engineering managers or managers, is like, wait, what? What What are you? And so, they're now trapped in the middle of this transition, I do think sometimes they can lead it. Sometimes they can be agiled. And agiled? part of the conversation, <laughs> yes, you've been agiled. <laughs> part, of, part of the conversations you may need to have may very consider may be very different if they were part of the transition than if they feel like it was done to them. You're going to have some hurt feelings if you weren't part of that transition. You've been agile. <laughs> I think it gets back to some things that I know that Steve McConnell has written about change management and, and the change model. And, and I think going to an agile approach without understanding your existing personnel structure, what are people currently doing in their roles now and how do they move into a different role? Or what do, we, what do we expect out of them? If you don't make that explicit, you don't set some vision for, for folks, then you're gonna have, I think you're going to have problems. I think that's to, to Amon's point. If you, don't, if you don't have a role in mind for that engineering manager when you make that transition, I mean, I think the development staff, the product owners, the scrub masters, you probably have that because it's pretty well described in the Agile literature. But the engineering manager is sort of this you know, it doesn't necessarily have a direct mapping. So to, to make sure that you do that when you plan to make an agile transition, I think is, is important. Right. Maybe that gets to that point. One of the simplest things I like to encourage is changing job titles. Most, and this is not always working because HR has a big say in this if it's a medium to larger size company. <laughs> but just to let people know something's different. It's not the same thing. You're not just engineering manager old style today and engineering manager new style tomorrow, but nothing's really changed. I think saying I've taken on a new title, I'm maybe shuffling the organization a little bit so it feels different can aid. It's one of my change agents there to help aid that kind of change. Because as Jenny said early in our conversation, people have built up years of habits sometimes, ways of getting things done. Now there's some new ways What's going to happen when stress happens? What's going to happen when deadlines come up? I'm going to go back to my old ways because I got stuff done before and I need to get stuff <laughs> done now. Stress test. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point. I'm thinking about a group I worked with and in general, everything worked great. But if there were major issues, different people in the organization were used to going to different people for different things. 
And all of a sudden, the kind of agile structure that worked great when things were okay totally broke down because under stress, the paths would go back to the old paths. So I think that is always something interesting to look out for, and you probably will need to talk about it through your journey of, oh, wait, look. (laughs) When this stress happens. We've been going to the product owners generally, but when there's stress, we go to the engineering managers, and all of a sudden, they're now activating on the teams, and now the teams are getting pulled in two directions. Wait, this is probably a problem. Right. (laughs) I would leave with when you're going through this transition, I do think it's important to talk to the people who are engineering managers and understand the role that engineering managers have in the organization today. In some organizations, they're very technical. In other organizations, they're not. If they're very technical now, is it still appropriate for them to be very technical in the more agile approach and therefore they're going to step into certain roles? Are some people, people we really want to be technical and it's important that they're there? Are there other people that really ought to be more thinking about that bigger picture and and make sure somebody in the organization is thinking about that bigger picture? We generally think of it as an engineering manager role to set standards, nurture teams, do professional development, hire, fire, make staffing decisions. That's the kind of stuff that I expect some set of engineering managers in the organization to be considering. Maybe it's all of them. Maybe some of the folks step into that role and some other engineering managers step into the product owner role or the fellow role where they can be more influential. A lot of organizations I think we see are all haven't necessarily thought through that journey when they started into Agile. And now they've been Agile for a year or five (laughs) or more and are still kind of struggling to get the success they expected because there was some misalignment happening with how the engineering managers went through that transition. Well, here's kind of a summary question from Brian. What are your suggested best practices for the engineering manager in Agile and what titles would you suggest? From best practices standpoint, basically going back to core management, focusing on building people and the team. And Jenny, in our pre-discussion, has a long list of those kind of actions um, that she can go into. But but I'll take on the title a little bit. You could have anywhere from people development to from just changing from engineering manager to agility manager or uh, R&D manager or... Growth manager. I haven't seen a consistent title used for that. My argument was basically, if you can change it even slightly, that gives people a sense of something new. You can put a manager of engineers. Just rearrange the words. That might be enough for people to say, oh, my job is slightly different now. And Jenny, you want to go into some of those good practices you talked about? Yeah, and I think if you're going to be in the role of an engineering manager in an agile organization, you had better understand agile and be able to speak to its benefits because your people are going to go through this transition and you need to help them through that transition. So understanding those values and principles and helping your team succeed with it. Think professional development, skills transfer, growth, skill planning, that all the nurturing teams all to me sets into that concept of as an engineering manager, I deliver team members. I may deliver an entire team, a scrum team. I may deliver two scrum teams, or I may be more of a dev manager who has people on two or three scrum teams. I think in combination with other engineering managers uh, or other managers in the organization, we need to be talking about standardization. We need to be leading discipline level growth and improvement. This may be the area where we say there are some changes that we need to make across the board in unit testing or in deployment pipelines or in how we do continuous delivery. I need my whole organization, as Earl was saying earlier, one team can't do this. We need to take this journey as a whole set of groups and I can lead those kinds of things. So those are the kinds of things I'm really looking for with the engineering manager hat on. Jenny, you made the point about professional development ladder before and and some of the things that, that I, in working with some clients, I, I remember talking through issues of sort of bench strength kind of thing. Sometimes an engineering manager uh, or a higher level leader might actually understand 
what's coming down the road from a platform uh, or a release train perspective or something like that, and, and trying to understand whether you actually have the people to do the tasks they're being asked to do downstream. Being it, the team might be working on something in the current environment, but maybe something's coming that you don't have a particular expertise on your team. And you know that needs that's going to be coming. That person needs to be aware of that and go get it. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't task that thing to a scrum master or a product owner to go find a body. You're looking for an engineering manager who has visibility and maybe even has the ability to work with HR from a technical pr- uh, perspective to actually hire those people and go get them. I think the engineering manager needs to become literate and an advocate for Agile too, because if that's what their people are doing, they need to be able to support and get the best throughput possible from that team. And I've also sort of seen that Scrum Master's job is to be advocate for Agile, educate up as well as down to the team. But certainly the engineering manager should step into that role as well. The more people who are singing the song, the better off it is. I think that might be a good place to stop. Closing comments, Earl or Jenny? Anything you want to say in particular? Injuring managers, as Jenny has pointed out many times, you need to have a transition plan just like everything else. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It is good to clarify and say, here's what we need to have. And like the list we put up, these are the things we need to have to keep going. We also need to have technical leadership on the team. Where do you as an individual think you fit best? Where are you going to be the most comfortable transitioning to? Because if you used to try to do both, chances are you weren't very good at one of them because they are, in a sense, <laughs> big-time jobs all by themselves. So here we're giving you the opportunity to pick your strength, play to your strength, or if you really want to try something challenging, grow a weakness and see if you can get better at that. But we're asking you to focus and do one thing really, really well, then two things maybe okay-ish. And that's what we're going to be asking you to do, as opposed to saying, no, you're going to still do your old job. Now you're just going to put some agile terms on it. I usually characterize it as a transition from tactical to strategic. You can now, instead of being in the day-to-day tactics, be part of the larger vision of us improving as a broad organization. And oh, by the way, that's incredibly powerful. And that's leadership. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great summary. I think, I think this has been a great conversation. All right, so what do you think? I think in simplistic terms, it sure seems like there's still room at the table for this role. I mean, clarifying the role, noting that it's a big-time important job, as Earl said, is actually a really important takeaway as well. And I really liked how Jenny closed out the conversation with the focus on the role turning more towards a strategic one than a tactical one. And of course, in the shameless self-promotion category, if you'd like more discussion on how engineering management is being staffed at your organization, hit us up, seriously. We have a lot of respect for the role when envisioned correctly, as you no doubt heard in this podcast. And so I think that's enough for today. I think I'll leave it right there. If you enjoyed this style of episode, feel free to give us a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever you normally find us. If you have comments or would like to talk to one of our practitioners or you have ideas for future podcasts, reach out via email using comments at constructs.com. Again, that's comments at constructs.com. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to tune in again for another episode of Inspect and Adapt, the Constructs podcast. Until then, this has been Mark Griffin as your host and Earl Beattie as auto engineer and producer. Talk to you again soon, everybody, and have a great next sprint.